is home to our four academic um, classrooms. Like, this is the crossroads. So behind you, we do have our business college. Over to my right, your left, we have our science annex. That sound you're hearing should be a familiar one. Yeah, that's right. It's a college recruiting campus visit in progress. My wife and I recently accompanied our middle daughter on one. She is a junior. No, she's not an athlete, but loves music, really is excited about college. And other than that, you could definitely say she is open and undecided. And her visit was just fine. Uh, the college did a perfectly organized tour. They gave us a lot of information. And the guide was very friendly and very enthusiastic. And all of that is the problem. Why, you ask? Well, we'll tell you about it here on this edition of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. It's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, Hillary Clinton's go-to computer guy and America's college recruiting guru, Dan Tudor. There are those times when my job and my career and what we do for college athletics and college admissions overlap into my personal world. And sure enough, a couple of days ago, that's what happened because we are in the midst of college visit season as a family. Uh, we have a daughter, as I mentioned in the introduction, that is on her on her way to look at colleges. She is a junior. She'll graduate in 2018. And so we're doing what a lot of families are doing. We're starting to look at colleges that she feels might interest her and that we feel might be a good fit for her. And, and so that is the focus today, and we'll jump into that here in a moment. Uh, but first, I, I wanted to, to touch on a couple of things. First of all, we are in the midst of uh, signing up and registering coaches for the National Collegiate Recruiting Conference, which takes place June 6th through the 8th at Duke University, right next to Cameron Indoor Stadium. It's going to be a fantastic event. The lineup is amazing. I, I personally cannot wait just to sit and listen uh, for these three days of speakers and coaches. We have an amazing collection of experts to, to give you if you're going to attend or if you watch it via video afterwards. We have both options available at dantutor.com. Look at the conferences tab and register. Really, Coach, if you've never been to one, I really want to encourage you to attend and and be a part of it because it is unlike any kind of training event you've ever been to. It is certainly not like a coach's convention. Not that there's anything wrong with those at all, but it's just a different environment. These are coaches that are there to get ideas, to share their ideas, to collaborate with coaches that they don't normally get to collaborate with, mainly with other sports, other division levels, people uh, not associated with their own college. And the ideas that get shared are absolutely incredible. And so I really encourage you to to look at the, the lineup to see if the dates work for you and register. And like I said, you can go to dantutor.com for all that information. And we hope to see you there, or we hope that you're at least able to watch it by video. And information on both of those things are on the website. Uh, and I also want to mention, because we have a, a, a couple of questions that happened last week from people who are beginning to listen to the podcast, how do I listen to 
older podcasts. If I haven't subscribed yet and I can't access the feed for past podcasts, how do I get those? Well, they're all on our website. If you go to dantutor.com and look at the blog link and then go to the podcast category, every single one of our past episodes, including this one, is is online and ready for you to listen to. And the easy way, of course, to get all of them is to subscribe via iTunes or Google Play or on Stitcher. Either of those options will work, and we encourage you to do that. And we love the fact that you're listening, and we're getting so many good uh, uh, elements of feedback from you that this is helping, that these conversations are meaningful and that they're helping your career. And I just love that because that's why we're doing them. This is a time for us to have really deep, interesting conversations with really smart people who know their stuff and pass it along to you as coaches. So today, why are we focusing on admissions campus tours? Well, the short answer is they're important. If you think of all of the work and money and time and effort that it takes to get somebody to actually commit to visiting your campus and they travel to campus and go on the tour, that is an incredibly small number compared to the number that you start with that actually take take the time and, and go through and do that. And yet what we have found over our decade plus of working with colleges, both on the admission side as well as the athletic side, The visit itself is something that doesn't get a lot of time and attention put into it in terms of the planning, the strategy. How is it different than the other tours that maybe are going on at other colleges, at your competitors? And that's what I wanted to focus on today. And what brought it top of mind for me is because, as I mentioned, we're doing this as a family. And so I get to completely look at this through a parent's eyes and talk to my daughter as she goes through this visit process. And it, it it's different than, of course, doing research and focus groups when it is uh, your own child. And yet so much of what I hear her talking about and I hear her saying matches what we hear in focus groups. And so I wanted to go through and, and give you a couple of observations. And then we're going to talk to one of the nation's leading experts in this field that does a lot of work with college athletic departments all over the country, and I'm sorry, college admissions departments all over the country, uh, and, and makes them better at what they do for his tips and his recommendations. So if you're a coach listening to this, I feel it's important because you need to know what's happening on the admissions side and what could be improved so that you can help your admissions department do that. And on the uh, on the admissions side, if you happen to be an admissions official listening to this, I want you to understand that what you're doing matters. And the visit that you put together is really, really important because this is where they make their decision. They either continue interest in your school after the visit or it's done. And so there are enough things happening that uh, for those that, that, like myself, that work closely with your coaches on campus to get the kids they want interested and, and engaged and committed to the idea of playing at that school, what you do in admissions is critical. And the same thing, of course, holds true for a regular student. So That's why we're focusing on this today. A little bit about the visit. It's the second visit as a family we've made to a campus. Uh, My daughter came into this 100% open-minded. It's an area she liked, and they have the majors that she's interested in, but she wasn't uh, fully committed to the idea of coming to the school. In other words, she wasn't sold ahead of time. Uh, I would say that based on her comments, she came away unimpressed not the not with the college in and of itself because 
They offer great degrees. They seem to have committed professors. The campus presents itself nicely. Uh, but but again, the reason I say that she uh, she came away unimpressed um, that is based on on the unique observations I think from the mind of a confused seventeen year old, and I'll get into that a little bit more. Uh, and that's why I wanted to share some of these things. So I have seven or eight items that I want to throw at you to consider before we talk to our guest. Just observations that I, I noted as we were taking the visit that if you're a coach or you're somebody in admissions listening to this, I really want you to say to yourself or ask yourself, okay, do we do this? Is this a problem with our visits? Is this something that we may need to take a closer look at? And let me just go through the list and try not to take too much time because I really want to get to our guest today. The, the first thing that I'll, I'll focus on, and this is not in any kind of uh, order necessarily, um, the first thing was that with this admissions tour and and every other visit that we've either tracked or been on or heard about in our focus group sessions after the fact is that there is a really big focus on buildings. Uh, the tour guides love their buildings. They like showing off their buildings. They like talking about the buildings and they like bragging about the buildings. And I just want to stop now and say that for most of the parents in our group, because I also was talking to them and, and got some feedback from them uh, towards the end of the visit, and we definitely see this in our focus groups as well, the the attention put to buildings doesn't necessarily translate into interest. The typical 17-year-old kid and most of their parents aren't that interested in buildings. Uh, and yet the focus around the, the visit is very much around the buildings on campus and talking about them. And so I just want you to, to understand that for most of the kids and people that you're showing around campus, their focus for making a decision is not going to be based on the buildings. We can see them. They are what they are. They're either impressive or they're not. And we know what to think about buildings. I wouldn't put as much of the language focus on buildings because it just doesn't make an impression. Uh, the other uh, this point number two that I would make is that uh, the guide in this instance and uh, and in, in visits that I've been on as well in general, this is going to be a generalized statement, is that most of the guide's talking points seem very hurried and also very rehearsed. Uh, they were rehearsed in a way that I think they wanted them to sound natural, but the fact that they had probably said the same thing over and over and over again, uh, it's impossible almost not to, uh, unless you're a professional actor or actress, it's impossible not to have it sound uh, sort of staged and rehearsed. And I want you to understand as a coach or, or somebody listening from admissions that the the listener, the people there on campus who are looking either to commit their son or their daughter to play a sport there or possibly committing $30,000, $50,000 a year to have their student go to school there are there. And, and the, the, we, the, the mindset I think that most parents and, and students have is that if they're going to commit to that school, they want honesty, transparency, and a conversation. And most of the time, again, the guide's uh, words were very hurried and very rehearsed. And I think that hurt this guide. And I think it has hurt other people in the past as well at schools where that's happened. So I just want you to make sure that when you host a visit, whether it's on the athletic or admission side, 
try to make it a conversation as much as possible uh, and be not so worried about the facts and the stats and all the information that you want to get through and be more concerned with what it is impacting personally there for that student, which translates into point number three I was going to make. This visit, along with most of the others that I've seen, uh, especially in group visits, weren't personal. Of course, that's hard to do when it's a group visit, as this one was, but there are times where there could have been some personal conversation and personal uh, questions about what they were looking for out of a school, what didn't they like so far, what, what issues they might have halfway into the tour with what they were seeing, or they could have directed those, those questions to the parents because the parents are usually more apt to answer them. And I just want to make sure that you understand that anytime a, whether it's a group athletic visit or a group uh, uh, admissions visit, each one of those families have personal um, uh, challenges, personal questions, and they're, they're wanting those answered as best as possible. Um, so even though there's a challenge in a group dynamic, uh, please try to do that because it's so important for your uh, attendees and the people you have on campus to go away feeling like that was a personal tour. Um, the fourth thing, this is a minor thing, but there were some video presentations at different parts of, the, uh, of this tour that we happened to be on, and they were okay but they were a little bit dated and the video was a little bit fuzzy and and I'm being very very picky there but I just want you to understand in the proliferation of video that uh, that your teenagers that you're recruiting as well as their parents have at their disposal uh, that are watching them on their phones they're watching on YouTube they're watching on Vimeo or just on TV just everything all of the video being thrown at them presents a very high bar for you as somebody leading a tour. That It is so vitally important that you make your presentation as, as quality as possible because you're going to get compared, fairly or unfairly, to everything else that they're seeing. And if they become bored or if it's not as funny or interesting or as provocative as what they would normally watch, then I think that's a problem. And so I just want you to remember there's a very high bar to clear. How is your video presentation different than what they would see online, on Facebook, on Instagram, Twitter, whatever their, their social media preference is? Are, are they seeing something just as interesting or hopefully more interesting at the school if you're going to introduce video that comes with a very high bar to clear? Uh, the next point, point number five. Um, there was one family and student that dominated the conversation. Now, I give credit to them. They were asking very personal questions. They were making it all about them. And, of course, the tour guide responded to, the, to that by sort of uh, focusing on the, uh, the, the low-hanging fruit, which was, okay, this family's going to talk to me. Everybody else is just going to listen. I'm going to make it more about this family. I don't think she meant to do that. But that's what happened. And the more that it happened, what I noticed is that all the families became even more withdrawn and sort of uh, deferred to this other family that was that dominated the conversation more. And I guess my point is that, that because they got most of the attention, I don't know if it sold them on the school necessarily more, but they definitely got their questions answered. And I think the thing that I, if I were training that school's uh, tour guides, what I would have said was or encouraged is that 
you definitely want to answer any questions from one family as they ask them, but your job is to then wrap in everybody else into that conversation as best as possible. Uh, so, and, and I don't think that happened, and I think as I was noticing uh, other families that were walking around, uh, I got the feeling that they feel felt uh, more excluded uh, than probably they did at the beginning of the visit. And again, that's not what you're aiming for. Uh, point number six, um, the, the school, and, and most schools do this, even the larger schools do this, where they'll say, you know, here, it's really a personalized education. We really get to know you. You're not just a number. Uh, we really, we're, your professors know your name. They'll email you. They'll call you. They'll check up on you. We make sure that we really get to know you. Now, here's something that, you know, for my daughter, who is a little more introverted, who's a little more to herself, who doesn't have 30 best friends, uh, she's, she has her, her core group. Uh, she's, again, a little quieter than, than uh, some kids, a little more introverted than an extrovert. And one interesting comment that she made was, because I actually was even, it was something that, that I didn't prompt, uh, but when I asked her about you know, the feel of the school and what she liked or didn't like about uh, the experience or what she heard on the visit, one of the interesting things that she said was, you know what? I really, it really put me off. I sort of crossed that school off my list when they talked about how personalized it was. Now the professors know your name. You know what? I don't want that much interaction. I don't want them to know me that much. I want, there are some days I'm going to want to be just a number and I want to go get my education and I don't want to go study. And then I want to, uh, you know, basically be left alone. Now, uh, everybody comes into a college experience with a different personality, and I'm going to chalk my daughter up to uh, up to that as well. That that she is more introverted, and because of that, she's going to want different things. But it's interesting. It was a reminder to me because I forget it too. That not every teenager has the same personality. Not everybody wants to be socially connected with as many different people as possible. And she, she certainly was, was one, is one of those. And I think she felt like the college itself was catering only to the kids that wanted that. Now, maybe they are. And if they are, then that's fine. Uh, but I didn't get the impression that they, that they were. I think it was they were saying that in a way that uh, they were assuming that most of the people who heard it we're going to receive it well. And again, it's just as a reminder to both coaches and admissions to make sure that whatever you're doing to kind of define your school and who is this right for, either define it very clearly and say this is who who is going to like it. And if you don't like, you know, if you don't want this, then you're not going to like it. You can go that far. But if it says something just as as a way to uh, as a way to say here, we think we're going to throw this out and everyone's going to like what they're hearing. Understand that in this generation of, of students and athletes, that's not the case. Uh, on the athletic side, just as a quick uh, as a quick aside, um, a lot of times we're, we hear coaches that will talk about what they when they tell an athlete, "Hey, you know, if you come here, you're going to be the center of attention. We're going to build the team around you. You'll play as a freshman right away." And that's you're assuming as a coach, that's what most athletes want to hear. 
We hear a lot of times in focus groups afterwards, why did an athlete say no to that other school? And they come back with, you know what, it kind of freaked me out that they wanted to make this all about me and put all that pressure on me as a freshman. And I didn't want that. You know what, I kind of like the idea of sitting on the bench for a year and getting my you know, getting my uh, my feet wet and understand my role, and then I'll I'll dive in and and want to compete. So again, just make sure that uh, that you personalize it in a way that uh, that that meets the expectations of that student or that athlete. Um, so I just uh, uh, I just wanted to to, uh, to mention that. Uh, the, the second thing is that at the end of the uh, at the end of the tour, there is really no follow-up plan. And what I mean by that is that when we went in and we kind of ended the tour and they had us fill out some information, there was no next step. And if you've been listening or reading the material that we've produced over the last decade or so, you know that we're big on prompting what that next step is, whether it's an athletic prospect or certainly on the admission side. And that wasn't done. Um, and I'm sure there'll be contact and follow-up afterwards, but right there they could have gotten a sense of, are we interested, are we not interested, and it was very, very hands-off. It was very, hey, we hope you had a good time. If you have questions, let us know. And with this generation and with their families, I really have come away over the years with the feeling that most families want to be led. They want somebody to say, here's how you do it. And with this particular visit, that wasn't something that came through loud and clear. So with all that being said, that was my visit experience with my daughter and, uh, and, and our family. Uh, I want to kind of transition this now into talking to one of the experts in the field that has uh, his sort of thumb on the pulse of what's happening in admissions, both good and bad, and what can be done to improve that and how coaches can do a better job of integrating admissions into their presentation and their experience when they bring an athlete on campus. And that's what I want to do right now as we get into this conversation with our guest today. Our guest today is Jeremy Tears, who is a familiar name, I think, to some of you. He is the admissions director here at Tudor Collegiate Strategies. He is the guy that works with all of the admissions departments that we get to consult with. He does workshops around the country. He consults with admission staffs on the language they're using. We help them, in many cases, construct the messaging. And generally, he just helps admissions departments win. And moreover, he is just a really smart guy who knows his stuff. And what I think what makes him uh, exceptionally interesting in this conversation is that he was a former college coach. He coached college basketball, small school, Division II. He's been uh, at a couple of different schools, a couple of different levels, and was successful, got out of coaching. And uh, we began working together uh, as he has brought a lot of the recruiting principles and the, the uh, philosophies that we, we sort of hold as core values here at Tudor Collegiate Strategies and has taken that and applied it to the admissions field with a lot of success. Uh, he is a frequent speaker at re- admissions conventions and, and gatherings, and uh, he is becoming a, a name in the admissions world specifically because 
the uh, the principles that we've seen work on the athletic side also work on the admission side, and he is a great leader of that effort. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Tears, T I E R S, Coach Tears. Uh, like I said, his world is mainly admissions. He loves basketball, but uh, has a, a, a strong uh, leading to work with admissions departments and and make them better, and he's doing that. And so I wanted to talk to him because he is far more connected with the admissions side of things than I am with my focus on athletics. And so we were talking, and I, I was explaining to him some of the observations that I made when we were uh, on this visit that I've been talking about. And I wanted to ask him his advice and direction. Uh, and again, wrap it in for coaches who need to understand how to use their admissions departments better uh, and, and get his advice. He has spoken on this at the, uh, the past National Collegiate Recruiting Conference. He's going to be speaking again in June at this next one on some of the same types of topics because when an admissions department and an athletic department or an individual coach's program work together, boy, great things happen, and we want to see that happen more. It's not happening enough, to be honest with you, and that's where the work needs to uh, needs to happen. So we started this conversation off with Jeremy with a pretty simple question, and that question really revolves around the idea that there are things that are being done incorrectly by admissions departments based on his observation and his study and all the focus group research that he gets to come through in working with his clients through tutor collegiate strategies. And so I started off the conversation with something pretty simple, asking him, Jeremy, what are two or three things that right off the top you think college admissions departments do wrong when it comes to the campus visit and hosting students on their campus for the first time that might be interested in going to that school? Dan, I would say the biggest mistake that I see admissions departments making when they bring a student or a student athlete on campus is just a lack of an overall plan for that student. I think so many students are lumped in the same category together and visits are set up universal and they are not really personalized other than putting somebody's name on a parking space outside the admissions office or giving them a name tag. I've, I've heard a lot of feedback from students and student athletes in the research that we've done, Dan, that tells us they want a lot more of a personalized visit and that personalized visit needs to be much more about them and the things they're looking for out of a college and a university or looking to learn or things that will help them ultimately take the next step with that school, whether it's a positive or a negative step. And I feel like admissions offices, unfortunately, don't communicate as well within the office or within their coaches if it's a smaller school, which a lot of our client base is, in terms of what is that student looking for and how on this visit are we going to personalize it enough where they can see and they can develop some you know, emotional feelings that this is either the right place or not the right place for them to attend school or come be a student athlete. That, that, and that's a great observation. And from the visits that I have gone on in the past, as well as the one that I went on this weekend, sort of with my parent hat on, I agree completely. So let me play devil's advocate, or maybe in defense of college admissions departments and coaches, as they hear that, they think, okay, 
in a perfect world, yeah, we'd love to customize everything, but Dan, Jeremy, I'm so busy. We have so many student athletes coming in or, or on the admission side, so many students coming in. How in the world do I personalize it for each one? Or I haven't figured out how to do that. So if you were to provide some quick, easy, at least starting points for doing that, what, what would you suggest for those coaches or for those admissions directors listening to this that want to make it better, want to make it more about what this generation is looking for or what would connect them better to that university? What would your advice be? So more schools, Dan, are starting to do this. Um, and back even when I was a coach a number of years ago, we did this to a certain extent. Coaches are now working with specific admissions counselors. So, for example, at a small liberal arts school, which, as I said, on the admission mm -hmm. side of Tudor Collegiate Strategies, that's a large amount of our client base. They are dividing up the various sports on the men's and women's side and giving a, an admissions counselor responsibilities for you've got men's basketball, you've got football, you've got cross country and right. tennis and so on and so forth. And what we're finding is working well is just basic communication from usually the assistant coach or the recruiting coordinator from that sport to the admissions counselor in terms of here's student athletes that we're serious about, here's student athletes maybe we're not as serious about, and giving them an idea of where those student athletes rank in terms of a priority on the coaching side. That is step number one in terms of getting admissions to understand um, who is possibly a, a higher potential student. Uh, while we'd like to obviously give superior customer service, and that's what we want, you know, everybody at admissions wants to do. Um, I think it's good to know um, from a coaching standpoint, if you're a coach, I want my admissions office to know, hey, this is my number one or my number two recruit in this year's class versus this is someone who's very interested in our school, but I'm not sure either they're good enough or I haven't evaluated them yet to know if they're good enough or I just don't think they're good enough you know, to maybe be anything at best a walk-on right. or so on and so forth. So in addition to that, Dan, where I see a big disconnect, and this is something I've been having conversations about with a lot of admissions directors and admissions counselors lately, is in addition to the coaching side and that relationship and the collaboration that I think needs to happen more between a sport and between the admissions office, is that relationship with the tour guide as well. Most admissions offices have a pretty good idea ahead of every visit they do who the tour guide is going to be for that specific day. And then I see a lot of schools struggling, and I'm not sure why they struggle so much with this. I have my my guesses, which we can talk about if you'd like, but but my what I need, need to see more of and what I recommend that schools work, work to do um, more efficiently is have a conversation with that. It's usually going to be a student, obviously, giving the tour ahead of time, explaining here's how we want the tour to go. Here's how we're going to involve the coach in the tour. Here's how the admissions counselor is going to be involved in the tour. Here are some what I call connectors, so you know a little bit about this student or this student-athlete, so you have some touch points that you can start a conversation with if it gets a little quiet or if mom and dad are mm -hmm. just completely controlling the conversation. Most tour guides, Dan, from my experience, don't have any of those touch points. Right. They know this is Sarah, and she's coming to us from you know, Mobile High School in Mobile, Alabama. And that's usually all they know. In many cases, I find, Dan, they don't even know this is somebody that, you know, the basketball team, the football team, the tennis team, the volleyball team might be recruiting. 
You know, it's, it's interesting that you're bringing this up, Jeremy, because here we are in this age of so much data. I mean, everything, every business, anything online is data-driven. We are obsessed with data. We want to micro... I mean, what you see on your Facebook page and what you see when you log on to Google or Amazon is so curated just for you based on your past buying habits or what you last looked at or what your interests are. And you don't even have to list those interests. They just know because of your past habits. And everything, therefore, is pretty customizable based, you know, for your experience and who you are and what your interests are. And yet we get onto college campuses and this, this, uh, this scenario that you just outlined where a tour guide, which is the number one touch points, the first, the, the, it's really the representative of the, of the college that has the chance to either make or break that impression that is left in the mind of that student athlete, that, that student, the parents that are with them on that visit. It is so lacking in personalization and it is so lacking in data even basic data that you were bringing up and I guess I'm wondering why is that in your opinion why have college admissions departments lagged behind when it comes to using data and customizing everything based on uh, that individual family's interests desires what their challenges are and when the rest of the admissions department is using data all the time, that's how they buy names to go in and target the right students to get to their college. And yet when they actually get them to the college, that sort of gets suspended and, and there's no real you know, unique data used to make that a personalized experience. Why is that in your opinion? I think the biggest reason, Dan, and this doesn't matter if it's on the coaching side because I have you know, again, from my experience as a former college coach to all of the the friends that I still have, you know, the, who are college coaches, and now what I see on the admission side is a lot of younger coaches, in particular, and and some veterans as well, mm-hmm. really struggle asking the right questions leading up to, for example, the campus visit. Right. I think a lot of college coaches and a lot of college admissions counselors don't get the proper training in terms of how to develop a recruiting relationship. And what that means, not just selling my school, selling our program. Hey, we won the conference championship last year. We, you know, runner up the year before. Coach has been coach of the year. Who cares? You care about that, and that's great. The student athlete may care absolutely nothing about that. Or U.S. News and World Report ranks our business off, you know, business offerings and the marketing degree you're interested right, in is one right. of the top ten in the region. Well, that's great to you and, and something you may care about. And sure, maybe mom and dad, that, that's something that kind of gets them to perk up. But most students tell us, Dan, that's not what they use to make their decisions. It's about those relationships and about those emotional connections that you can help as either a coach or an admissions counselor help that student or student athlete develop with your campus and your campus community throughout the recruitment process. And I'll be honest, Dan, it's hard to do that if you don't ask the right questions. And it's something that sounds so easy, but yet I think it's so hard. And the excuse I hear all the time is, well, I've got 30 student athletes or I've got 2,000 people in my territory if I'm an admissions counselor. And on the admissions side, Dan, that's that's, that's a very legitimate gripe. It's hard for a bigger school, specifically a Division One school, for example, or even a Division Two school with a student enrollment of five, ten thousand students, to get a hold of every single student or student athlete that may be wanting, you know, to look at that school or to look at that, you know, sport, 
and asked them all what I would call effective questions. But I think it's a lot easier than some of us make it out to be in terms of if we were more organized and we had a better feel from the start and we didn't wait until the financial aid package came out or until you know we got farther into our season where now we'll focus a little bit more on student recruitment. You can't wait until the last minute and then try to play catch up and skip a bunch of steps. And I see too much of that. If you would just mm-hmm. ask the right questions earlier in the process, possibly when they're a junior, for example, or when they first have that uh, interaction with your coach or, or with your admissions office through your website or whatever that touch point may be, that would put you so much farther ahead to when a campus visit comes and, and having a good feel for where do we take this campus visit. Because at the point, Dan, when it comes to the campus visit, in most cases, unless a student isn't on your radar and this is the first touch point you've had with them, they just sign up for a campus visit or show up, which does happen. But in most cases, the campus visit should be where you have a feel as an admissions counselor or as a coach. I know Sarah, when she comes and visits next week, this is something we've got to talk about, or this is a fear she has that we've got to help her get over, or mom and dad, or mom or dad, get over if we're going to keep her and keep this process moving forward. Right. You know, and, and as you were talking, it's, it, and you and I, of course, talk all the time about this just because of your work with admissions departments and, and what you're able to do with them. And, you know, we talk all the time, these aren't complicated, you know, three-year-long fixes that require, you know, extra money in a budget. A lot of it is just the simple training that they get. And like you mentioned, that, that's where it's lacking is the, the training that isn't there that if they just knew how to do it a little differently, it would make such a big, uh, such a big difference, which gets me to this question. As you've done these workshops on campuses and you've worked with, with all these admissions departments now that, uh, that are looking to you and collectively us to help them get better uh, results when it comes to just interacting with, with students, are you finding one of the challenges to be the idea that or the fact that so many of these uh, tour guides, so many of these people that are the first touch point, that are the admissions reps, are sometimes students themselves or who have just left being a student or maybe they're getting a master's and they're on the younger side of their professional career and at the core interpersonal communication is really a challenge for them. They're not necessarily comfortable with it, even though they're maybe outgoing to have that conversation with a set of 50-year-old parents or with um, a family that has serious questions, as opposed to just being able to, to rattle off facts and figures about different parts of the campus. There's a difference in, in being able to do that harder element of communication. Do you, do you find that to be true? Absolutely, 100%, Dan. Uh, I would say most tour guides, as you stated, are current students. Uh, could be freshmen, literally up to you know seniors in college. And I, I see the biggest disconnect, Dan, and I think back to the, you know some work you and I did with a school last fall, and I think back to even the conversations that I've been having with ca- a couple campus visit um, client staff members um, at schools we work with recently. There is a disconnect, Dan, and I, I'm seeing more and more of this between the campus visit staff and the actual admissions team. And then mm. if we're talking about college coaches, obviously they can be kind of the third third piece of the puzzle there. And it's getting your campus visit staff, specifically not only the person in charge of the tour guides, 
but the tour guides themselves, Dan, to really understand just how important a role they play in the student recruitment process. All of the data, all of the research out there, and I know coaches listening understand this, and I know any admissions professionals listening understand this, the campus visit is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, touch point and influencer in whether that student is going to either take the next step and or ultimately matriculate to your university or to your program. And so if we know all of that, why are we not investing more time in getting those tour guides versed with, here are just some basic things. And it's something, obviously, Dan, you and I do a lot of when we go and we work with coaches and we work with admissions in terms of getting them to understand why a more student-driven campus visit where the tour guide, again, also understands their role a little bit more clear, has those touch points and those connectors that I touched on earlier, just so they can have a conversation and possibly pull one or two pieces of usable information out of that time they spend with a student or with parents, and then they can take, they being the tour guide, that piece of information to the admissions counselor, to responsible for that, to the coach, and say, hey, Sarah told me this, this, and this. Sarah's mom also mentioned this. And now the coach or now the admissions counselor can build on that information going forward. That should be happening, Dan, on a daily basis on every campus in America. But it rarely is. And I think it all comes back to, again, training and getting everybody on the same page. We talk about, on the admission side, collaboration between financial aid and admissions offices and how much that's improved. I think as equally important, if not more important, is the collaboration that needs to happen between admissions, athletics, especially on small college campuses, and campus visit teams. Because most schools, that is a separate entity uh, it's not the admissions counselors usually giving a lot of the tours. It is in some cases, but most schools have campus visit teams and campus tour guides that do a large majority of the tours. And there needs to be a better understanding of what the common goal is and how person A can help person B, and they can both then help person C. I think those are all such great comments. And as you were talking, the image that popped into my head was almost like, uh, well, it was a pyramid where. At the start of the process, bottom of the pyramid, uh, that's where most of the money in an admissions department, and even on, you know, if you flip it over to coaches, uh, most of the time and attention and effort go to the beginning of the process, which is we need names. If you're an admissions department, we got to buy names. We need more names. We need enough names or the right names. And so they pay tens upon tens of thousands of dollars every single year to get those names and a lot of attention is put into that beginning of the process and with a coach I got to go scout I got to get names and names and names and so once you have the names I think it feels like okay now we've got a good base and they do that and that's why that's the bottom of the pyramid but as you get closer to the top and let's say closer to the top is that campus visit the 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 narrow the uh, the pyramid gets narrower and which means less money less time less attention goes to that part of the process which if you think about it is really the point where all of the initial investment either pays off or it becomes a waste of money and I see certainly on the college coaching side uh, very very little attention or uh, I'll say strategic attention being being put onto the latter part of the process compared to the beginning 
And on the admission side, very, very little of their budget, time, and attention is on the, the actual campus visit, which is everything. And I'll give you, a, just as an example, you know, the, the, and we're not going to mention uh, college names, and we're not going to mention either who we work with or where, where I happen to go with our family uh, for this weekend visit that we did at a, at a college with, uh, with my daughter. But for instance, the, the tour guide was, was happy, professional, um, well-spoken, enthusiastic, all the things that every single tour guide is on every single campus around the country. So she did her base job in that sense. But some of the things that she was saying, and it wasn't just with our family, but it was with the seven or eight other families that we happened to be on on this tour, it just wasn't connecting. Um, she would say some things at one point about the dorms that um, that I don't think were believable because we were there looking at the facilities, the dorms, and what she happened to be saying, obviously from a visual standpoint, wasn't true. And even when one of the other parents raised a question about that, she sort of just laughed and agreed with them, which then counteracted everything that she just said. And I, I think that most of the parents, as we were walking out, kind of looked at each other like, wait, wait, did that? Did she really just say that? Because what, what else now are we not, should we not believe about what, what is said? And I guess in, in telling you that story, that's not unique to the college we happen to visit. That happens in a lot of campus visits, and it happens in a lot of the you know the uh, the ways that these reps communicate with with uh, prospective uh, students and sp- uh, prospective athletes and their parents. The point is that kind of a thing, all the work and effort and money that you spent to get the parents there and the family there, have just gone out the window because of something that they weren't trained to do, and. I guess maybe that's a that's a, a statement, but I'll follow it up with a question now. What do you find are the fixes? What are the things that you have been able to do or that you've seen admissions departments do uh, after they realize why they should be paying more attention to this that that get that fix, that, that aren't expensive, long fixes, but that are something that, that they can do immediately or very quickly anyway to affect change in that area? Great question, Dan. Uh, There's a number of different ways I could take that, but I think the biggest thing that I've seen work, and as you were saying that, one of our clients that we work with immediately came to mind, small private labor at school, enrollment of about 1,300, uh, Division three in terms of athletics. They have done an unbelievable job, and, and part of give credit where credit is due is they are a veteran team. Their admissions director has been there over 15 years, their campus visit uh, person who manages all the tour guides and manages their tours has only been there four or five years, but was experienced coming in, uh, and so had a good background and had a good base. Uh, but what I've seen work really well with them, and there, I can just tell you because ironically, I had a conversation with this same director maybe about two weeks ago, and their enrollment and their projections and their deposits, as we call it on the enrollment side, or commitments as a coach might call it, are way, way ahead year over year, is because the collaboration that I talked about earlier between the coaches, between the campus visit team, and between the director and her admissions team are happening 12 months a year. They meet every month, 
sometimes multiple times a month, and they update each other. Here's what's going on in my sport. Here's what's going on in her sport. Here's what we just changed in emissions. Oh, we're trying this. Everybody is in the loop. Wow. In terms of, and again, I get it. Oh, everybody's busy. How are we? You have to make time. If it's that important, which you and I both know it is, Dan, but if it's that important, and you know, as you said, you've done all this work to get these best fit students, and now you get them on your campus. If the campus visit, as we know, is as important as students continue to tell us it is, you've got to take more time to make sure you are delivering a, you know, an unbelievable customer experience. And I think it's gotten better, but I think it's still got, in many cases, a long ways to go. And I think the easy solution or the most inexpensive uh, and yet most effective where you're going to get a big ROI is taking time to make sure that your coaches, your admissions counselors, and your tour staff are all on the same page. And I don't think it's as difficult as a lot of schools make it out to be. I think it just isn't as high a priority as it needs to be. Right. Or they just don't know how to do it or they've never been trained to do it. And so there's there's that too. And I think admissions directors in their defense are people that have their job is to obviously represent the university and I think what they would say is we want to stage a professional tour and I mean the the college that we went to and visited they were organized they had you know everything planned out everything you know went off in terms of organization and and sort of the mechanics of everything no flaw it was flawless they had everything down but it's interesting that uh, as you were talking just then, you, it sounded like you were a little bit of a of a marketing director, or feeling, or maybe saying that admissions people need to act like marketing directors, and they do, and that's really what you are at that point. When we step onto a campus as a family or as parents, your job is now to say, "Here's we're going to create the right feeling for you, so that you walk away feeling like this is going to be." a place that could be our our daughter's or son's academic home that we're going to feel comfortable with the parent and you know just instinctively I use that word feel because that's at that point what we're doing uh, parents and and students and athletes have done their homework enough at the college where I think they understand that okay academically this could be a place that's the right size it's the right location those are the types of things that that we already know coming in and so what i think a family looks for and and correct me if i'm wrong if if uh if you hear anything that i'm i'm saying that would be incorrect from an admissions perspective but what we're looking for is what what separates your school from the other two or three or six that we've already visited and what i always warn coaches about is that if your visit starts to look or sound or feel like the other three or four visits that that student has already gone on, boy, the ability for them to tune out right away is incredible. And it's, it's, I mean, even from my own daughter's comments, everything that she thought about the school was based on a feeling or an observation that she didn't get an answer to, but she then inserted her own answer into it. And so it's just really, it's always fascinating to hear somebody close to you uh, go through that experience because sometimes you know you and I would take a very either scholarly or professional look at this and we break it down and segment it we look at information and at the core of it it's back to my 17 year old daughter and the hundreds of thousands of those kids that age around the country that are now looking at colleges 
and it's what they feel and what they think that's what's going to drive the decision and it and a lot of the time it just it it i guess it it misses uh it misses the mark and so two more quick questions for you jeremy i guess the first is sort of off of that when when your advice to an admissions director or set of of reps at a college or even to a coach what do they need to remember about this generation of students? And because you've sat in on focus groups, you conduct those just like we do on the athletic side. What are you hearing them say that they want from colleges more that that maybe they aren't getting right now when they either visit or interact with a with a college they're considering? The biggest thing, Dan, that our research continues to show that and and just like you, Dan, while I don't have, you know, a daughter or a son yet who's a teenager, my daughter is only seven, but I know this day is coming. I talk with a lot of people in my neighborhood and friends of friends who who are familiar with what I do. Dan, they want the process to be made easier. Bottom line. How do I, how is this process easier for me? What are you doing to help me understand how to fill out this application, what my next steps are, why your school, and you touched on this in, in the last portion there, Dan, how your school is actually different from school B and C, which, you know, from a profile standpoint, they may all be state universities and all mid-sized and all have similar type offerings and all be Division I schools or Division II schools on the athletic side, whatever it may be. And this is a conversation not with a client, but with an admissions counselor who gets my weekly newsletter. She reached out to me last week and she said, Jeremy, loved your article. And one of the things I talked about in the article, Dan, and this is the reason mm -hmm. it, I'm touching on it because it ties in here, is how do I help this student right now at this point in the process differentiate between what they know about us or what they think they know about us at this point and what they know about everybody else that they're still considering. So many students just don't know how to ultimately differentiate. And what I would tell you is that recruiting relationship that I touched on earlier is a big differentiator. All the focus group research we do on the admission side, and Dan, I know you see similar things because you and I talk about this, the feel, as you put it, feel, you know, in quotation marks of campus obviously is a huge uh, influencer in that final decision, so is the relationships that they develop with the admission staff, with the students, with the coaches, right. with the student athletes. That is what quote unquote would be a tiebreaker if, if we're okay. if we're using that terminology. So let me jump in with my last question because here we talked about all the ins and outs of visits, and I've talked at length in this podcast about the visit that we've done. Uh, with our family and, and the observations, and this is sort of, the, again, the why I wanted to talk about this today because it was so fresh on my mind. But let's get it back to coaches that are listening to this uh, and any admissions reps or, or directors that happen to be listening as well. For, for you, what would your advice be back to coaches, whether they're high-level Division I and they're working with their admissions department on an athlete, or a small liberal arts division three school and everybody else in between that what would your advice be for coaches who want to use admissions to better i guess leverage their ability to get that athlete onto campus 
you mentioned you know, the example of, of one of the schools that we're working with that has done that more effectively, and it's through something as simple as, as being you know, in better communication with each other. But what would your advice be to coaches if they're listening to this and say, I know I need my admissions department more on my side and more understanding more about how I'm doing things or what my challenges are so that we can get better athletes here, which are also our students that are enrolled in the classes and, and in some cases paying tuition. What would your advice be to the coaches to be able to work better or to bring admissions closer to them? In many cases, and I, and I can say this again because I sat in that chair. I was a college coach. I was a recruiting coordinator at a small liberal arts college at a Division two school. Too many coaches, Dan, and I still see this all the time, have an ego and have a really hard time separating, I can hand this off and I can be trusting that if I give this to the admissions counselor over at admissions, I know they're on the same page. I know we've communicated so they know where the student athlete is. They know how to help me keep this process going and ultimately help us get this student athlete or help us get this student if we're taking the admissions approach and talking about tour guide relationship with the uh, admissions counselor. I think there are too many in the admissions side of, of of campus struggles with this as well, Dan, understanding that everybody's on the same page. And in the school you just referenced there that I touched on earlier, the Division Three school that I mentioned, absolutely is having the success they're having because everybody's on the same page. And they're remembering at the end of the day, everybody gets credit for the same thing. It's, it's not, well, this only helps athletics if you know John decides to come play basketball here. No, that person helps count towards the enrollment which helps the admissions office. And admissions understands that when the football team recruits 15 players, that helps us as well. But I think, again, so many coaches in particular are type A personalities, and I'm one of those coaches. I'm willing to admit that. They struggle passing stuff off and being comfortable with, if I send it over across campus, I know it's not going to get screwed up, I know we can keep the process going, and I know that takes work off my work plate that then allows me to focus on other things, You know, whether it's we're in season and we're focusing on our next opponent or on practice or on other things we're doing, player development, etc. Not enough of that happens, and, and that mindset needs to be more prevalent in college coaches at every level. Uh, and I would flip that and say on the admission side, that mindset needs to be flipped because I know a lot of admissions counselors have told me, oh, I don't want to involve the coaches because the coaches in their minds, in many cases, will also screw things up if we let them have too much involvement in this whole situation. So not everybody is on the same page, Dan, and that really is where the conversation needs to start before it can fully change the way it needs to effectively. That is going to wrap up today's show. We want to thank our guest, Jeremy Tears, for lending his expertise on all this. And we also want to make something very clear. The extent to which we are criticizing or pointing out things that are done wrong, it is all in an effort to make college admissions departments better along with college coaches. So please don't take offense. Take it as learning points that you can grow from. Until next time, we want to thank you for listening. We'll see you soon on another edition of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast.